Hi, you're listening to Service from Hell presents Amuse Bouche. And this is where the chef brings over little treats for you and tells you you're pretty or whatever the hell. I don't go to fancy restaurants, so I don't know what this part is, but it's lovely little treats is what I was told. And I was also told that my French is shitty and that doesn't feel good. So keep your opinions to yourself. I don't care. French, French, French. I'm not good at it. So in this segment, Amuse Bouche is going to be listener letters. Y'all asked for more. So guess what? We give you what you want in this podcast. We're here for you. We got um, a bunch of questions and I'm going to break this up into um, a different episode later to answer all of them. I'm just going to answer the first couple in this episode. So you can get excited for this regular bit or segment, whatever. Can you tell how weird I get when I'm by myself? It's so weird to not have a guest that I'm interviewing that I can lay all of the, I don't know, the pressure onto to keep it moving and keep it fun. Now it's just on my shoulders, but whatever. These are your letters. So the first question says, hi, Kate. Hi. What do you think will actually change the tipping culture? And that is from Sarah in New Springs. Hi, Sarah. I don't know what state New Springs is in, but I'm going to guess somewhere cool because that's a cool name. Okay, what do I think will actually change the tipping culture? I'm going to, well, obviously this means in the States. Uh, We've talked about it on the podcast a million times about, you know, what is uh, frustrating about the tipping culture is the fact that it even exists and that we have to depend on it if we work in the service industry at all. Uh, well, not at all, but in some version of the service industry. I'm crushing the answer to this question. I'm really, I'm, I'm doing this and I'm not going to edit this out. I'm going to keep this in so you know that this is, I'm doing great. <laughs> so to answer the question, I, it has to be a policy change, right? So it can't be just a bunch of people banding together and saying, yeah, we don't tip because we are deciding that we are changing the tipping culture. No, as I've said a thousand times on the podcast, you're just hurting the person that just brought you your drinks or food or coffee or fill in the blank. That is really the commentary that you're making is that you think that that person should be sort of financially injured or financially punished for the stance that you are allegedly taking. So, I think it has to be from a policy change perspective, and this is probably a really boring answer, but increased minimum wage and, you know, I don't know, incentivizing the staff to get a percentage of sales from the actual restaurant. Um, I don't, it's a great question that I probably should have thought of the answer to prior to turning on this recording, but I, you know, I'm open to suggestion in what anyone thinks, because I have had people actually tell me, having heard the many times where I have said, you know, don't just screw the person that's waiting on you in the moment to, to, to make a point. Many people have said to me, yeah, but how else is it going to change? And, and we think that that is the first step is that you all have to get upset enough and then group together and then you change it from the inside by going to the restaurant for whom you work or the bar or the whatever. And the difficulty is, at least in L.A., is that a lot of us that work in customer service have aspirations to do something else. That is not to say that is true for everyone that works in customer service, uh, particularly in the restaurant and hospitality industry. That isn't necessarily true. Some people are lifetime career people in that lane and they love it and God love them, keep going. There's no, it's amazing. I I don't have the stamina for it. But because of that, asking us to then do yet another flipping thing 
in the laundry list of other stuff we have to do that isn't that particular customer service job. Like in our heads, we're thinking, okay, I got to record this audition at this time, or I've got to edit this project I'm on, or I have to, you know, buy clothes for this photo shoot or whatever it is, which are all choices, right? We all choose to be in the industry, particularly in LA, if we're doing that to then tell us also band together and form some kind of, I don't know, union stronghold with your restaurant the thought of that makes me want to pluck out my own eyeballs. Like I just cannot imagine doing that. Yeah. So there, I understand that the argument is that it has to come from within. And I agree with that to some extent, but there's also they, you know, a lot of restaurants and bars hide behind the umbrella of, well, food costs are high. Labor costs are high. This is high. This is high. And in Los Angeles, a lot of that is, primarily i mean it's true but i know what y'all pay for the bottles of liquor that are on the shelf some of y'all have been dumb enough to show me what that invoice looks like and i know the profit you're turning per bottle so i don't really know you know i I don't know what the the food breakdown looks like but i don't know i feel like that's a pretty convenient excuse from a restaurant or a bar to say sorry that you know every, we, we don't turn enough of a profit it's like why do people keep getting into that industry then if the profit margins are razor thin i don't know y'all um but i i would just say that it has to be policy change and that it has to come from a willingness to agree that even you know 15 dollars an hour particularly in los angeles is just not a living wage relative to what rent and cost of living is and yeah, I mean, please write in y'all. If you, if you have a solid suggestion on what can change tipping culture, I'm down to hear it. Thank you for that question, Sarah in New Springs. Uh, the next question is from Anonymous in LA. And it says, when do we get to hear your vomit story? Well, I'm assuming this is to me, Anonymous in LA. That is probably an annoying friend of mine. Love y'all. And I believe that I tell it on my solo episode, but I will tell you one of the stories of puke on my person that I don't think that I tell specifically on my solo episode, which will air eventually, I promise. Uh, There was this couple that was up in the upstairs room at the comedy club where I work. And the upstairs room is small. It seats at most. I mean, if you're squeezing everybody in there, it seats like 80 people at the most. And this couple came in late. They were seated at this tiny little two-top round table by the exit to the room. And you know how, and this is going to just be for my fellow bartenders or servers that deal with alcohol sales that are going to get this, but you know how you can just tell that someone not like the overserved look is pretty obvious. They're probably asleep or they're falling over or whatever slurring. There are some tells that are like universal that anybody would know. But for people that work in the industry, there's also that layer. It's it's the tell right before the super obvious tells that the person is staring off into one location. They've got their hands on their lap, but their hands are open you know, they're in like an upturned position and their posture is angled left or right. It's not up or down. So they don't have shoulders shrumped or slumped forward or backwards necessarily. They're leaning to the left or the right. So this couple comes in and they were foreign. I don't remember from where uh, and 
clearly the girl was teeny, teeny, teeny and had very obviously had far too much alcohol. And her boyfriend was trying to do the whole, we're good. Yeah, no, everything's fine. And I still, so the rules of the room are I have to serve you beverages. But when you're that clearly overserved, you get the non-alcoholic page of the menu and that's where the, the, the ship sails for you. That's a wrap. And they both wanted to, I mean, all of a sudden she was very articulate and wanted to order booze. And I was like, ma'am, but ma'am, you will know, you know? And so you have to handle it super delicately because they can go off the rails and be super angry with you. And so I just said, um, well, I'm going to suggest that maybe for this round, I won't bring you both drinks, but why don't we start this round with a Sprite or a water or an orange juice? Like I was just, you know, throwing things out that sounded fun that were not alcoholic and she agreed and then he agreed because I think he could tell that I could tell and it was one of those you just come on guy don't don't do this you know what's happening I know what's happening you visited you drank too much let's just move on and enjoy your trip or whatever and then so I get they were the last table in that section so I run downstairs after ringing all the orders in and then I'm picking up all my drinks and I come back upstairs And now her left and right leaning had become slumpy left and right. And I was like, oh, this is this is just terrible. And it would be her eyes were starting to shut. And it would be, you know, when the crowd would laugh and it would get her sort of out of her slumpy, weird posture, she would do laughing with her eyes closed. And so I grabbed the door guy in the room and I was like, can you please get security? This chick is going to barf everywhere. Like, I promise you she's going to. And everybody moved real slowly and everybody thought I was being dramatic and nobody would listen. And I was like, on everything, I promise you, you're about to see every piece of food this chick just had for dinner or didn't have or whatever. And they were like, fine, Kate, okay. So then security slowly comes up and I say to him, and I won't use his name, God bless him. I was like, hey, fill in the blank they need to go right now or somebody in this room and I promise you it won't be me is going to be cleaning up her vomit. And he wanted to argue with me and say, well, did you, how much did you serve her? And I said, you see that water in front of her that is unopened and sitting there. Yeah. That's all I've served her. And he was like, Oh, well, I think she's fine. And I looked at him and I said, fill in the blank. When she vomits, I will not be cleaning it up. You will clean it up. And he laughed and he goes, oh, go kick gate. Okay. And I was like, okay, well, that's on record for the universe. And then as I turned to walk past her table, my leg was right there and she turns and pukes all on down my leg and all on the floor and all everywhere. And because something was on my side, it didn't get in my shoe. I don't know how, because I wear, usually wear like yoga pants. And so there was no there was nothing to catch it. I think it maybe splashed off of the polyester that was my pants. I have no idea, but it did not end up in my shoe. Definitely got all over the ground. And then she did the thing where she, she became suddenly alert enough and aware enough that she was puking where she moved her head then in between her legs where the table was. And that creates a splash. So now your puke's going in more locations besides the floor. And it's certainly going back up into your face and a little bit into your boyfriend's lap. I don't know what the hell she ate, but the whole room smelled like it when she was done. And then I turned as there was puke dripping down my leg. And I turned and looked at the security guard and I just looked at him, said nothing, 
Didn't roll my eyes, didn't make a face. I just looked square at him. And he would not look me in the eye and he would not move. And then I went and got the door guy who I forget who it was, door person. And I, I don't, honestly don't remember. And that person then had to get the, the vomit stuff. And I don't know what you call it, the vomit absorber. And proceeded to, you know, pour it all over that. And that, by the way, also has a really specific odor. This is making anyone listening just really sick. I hope no one's eating. Or I do hope you're eating. Whatever. I'm sorry. No, I'm not. Live my life for a day. And they, so that vomit absorber has a very particular smell. So that starts in engulfing, engulfing the room. And thank goodness the show was, I think there were only a handful of comics left. Considering they were my last table that I had to get the order from, I'm, I'm pretty sure there was probably only like an hour left of the show or whatever, maybe 45 minutes or whatever. And I just remember thinking, what job is worth this? What job is worth being barfed on? And I mean, I tell so many stories on my solo episode, but yeah, I, I definitely had, that is one of my vomit stories. And the reason that, that I always ask if people got puked on is because when it happened to me, everyone sort of reacted as if it were the most common thing on the planet. And it was just like, yeah, dummy, people barf at this job and yep, they're going to barf on you. And so I was like, well, maybe I'm the idiot. Like, am I the asshole for having a reaction to this? Okay, maybe I should just roll with it. And then like several days later, I was like, I don't work in medicine. I'm not at the hospital. I work at a comedy club. No, I should not be prepped and ready at a moment's notice for someone to vomit on me. And look, we've all been sloppy or a lot of us have been sloppy. And like, you know, I, I'm not the overconsumption piece or the overserving piece. I'm not here to tell anyone about that part of their life or that chapter that they happen to be in. But I just remember thinking, why is this being so normalized? This is disgusting. Like this is human waste on it. Anyway, I was, I was dramatic folks. I know that's surprising for everyone listening. I was being very dramatic about it, but I thought it was so disgusting. And so that is why that, that moment and that incident is what inspired me to add that question. But prior to Carl Tart's episode, what up Carl? There was no one had said yes to it. Everyone, I mean, a doctor, okay, doctors don't count, but none of my fellow bartender friends or, you know, server friends had said that that had happened to them. And so I was like, am I the freak show here? How has not everyone had this experience? So again, something that isn't normal got normalized. No, thank you. So no, I'm all set on that happening to me ever again. Okay, so thank you, Anonymous in L.A., jackass friend. Okay, so Javier from Boyle Heights, which is a really lovely neighborhood in Los Angeles, has written, Hi, SFH, which I love. Question for you. Why do bartenders act as though they have the most difficult job and deserve to be tipped the most? End of the day, they're pouring liquid into a cup or popping the cap off of a bottle. Why are cooks not tipped the most? They're surrounded by nothing but fire, heat, and order after order. The cooks sweat their asses off making food, all caps. End of the shift, the cook has to clean the kitchen, which is far more difficult than cleaning the bar. Health violations live or die by the cleanliness of the kitchen. I'll take it a step further. I wish the waitress could sidestep the bartender. Aside from mixed drinks, the waitress could get beer, wine, and shots. Instead, everything gets bottlenecked with dot, 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 the bartender. Ask me, a, a bartender should get a job in porn and so, okay. Power to the cooks and waitstaff. Javier from Boy Lights. I'm not going to read the that part. <laughs> okay, thanks, Javier. So this is a tough question to answer, Javier, because I have bartended, but I've also served. I've also food run. So I've seen, I've hosted, I've, I've seen the sort of hierarchy chain of, you know, it's really 
it looks bartenders are on the top of the food chain or whatever in the positions that are not of management. And yes, I think in some cases they are just pouring liquid into a cup or pour, taking a cap off of a bottle, but anywhere high volume, it's really, it is a tough job, right? It's like you have to be fast and on your toes and you have to be taking five drink orders whilst you're pouring five more. And I do think that it is very draining and taxing. Having done it, it is, you know, you you would think that people would be understanding of the line of humans they see around them. And, and I'm guilty of this too. It's like once you get to the front of the bar, you're like, why is this person not looking at me? And it feels deliberate and personal and it's usually not those things. But, you know, I mean, there was a period of time where I had to palm or not palm, but I don't know what you'd call it when you put your fingers in between like five Bud Lights and go like get all five caps off at once. And I felt very cool, first of all, because I am cool. And that was a cool move. But doing that, I snapped one of the bottle caps into my pinky and started just gushing blood. And I was like, if these fools don't think that these five bottles are still going on the bar and they will be taking these bottles and they will be moving forward, (laughs) they are incorrect. So I just did it very quickly. Yeah. So at the end of the day, it is potentially pouring liquid into a cup or a cap off a bottle, but there are craft bars and there, there can be more complex drink making and it is a lot of really quick thinking and it is customer interfacing. I mean, the thing with the kitchen is that you're not customer interfacing. You have to deal with the servers who come back and yell at you, which is, I'm sure, probably more annoying. But because you're not customer interfacing, it's really the, the, the bartenders are singing for their supper and, you know, shining shoes and doing a dance and all this, but also, you know, serving drinks. And I found the taxing part of bartending was you can't actually shut your mouth and just concentrate on making the drinks. You have to also be engaging the customers whilst you're thinking of all the orders that just came through and whilst you're remembering the orders that are at the bar where you are. So I do think it is it is complex and it is in some cases it is just like pop and pour, which they call those bartenders, not really bartenders or like beer and wine bars, which I've worked at. They say that's not really bartending, which I disagree. We still did some of the dance, even though we weren't making cocktails. But I mean, look, cooks being tipped. I worked at a place where we tipped out the kitchen and I do think cooks have a really hard job. And they are surrounded by nothing but fire and heat. But in theory, a cook gets into that position because they care about feeding people and filling their bellies. And there was a cook that I knew at Hard Rock who went on to be a a head chef at Morton Steakhouse in Beverly Hills and loved cooking for us. Anytime we had a party, he was cooking and it was like, but that's your job. You know, wouldn't you want to enjoy a party? And he was like, I can't get enough of watching people taste the things that I eat and enjoy those things and smile and have a great time. He said, that is my whole fulfillment in life. So he said, parties with me cooking are equally enjoyable as they are for you sitting there. So I would agree that cooking, cleaning a kitchen is a nightmare. Abso-frickin, it's it's an actual nightmare. And so I would 1000% agree if we're going for which is harder to clean, I'll clean 6,000 beer taps before I will clean you know, chicken grease and fat out of the fryer. No, give me 6,000 beer taps before you ask me to do that cleaning. So yeah, it's, and it's the, the danger is higher because it is fire and gas. And if you don't, if you know a real chef, you know that that particular burn on the arm that they all have as a signature for being true chefs, what up Lee, you have the same burn. That is 
you know, indicative of how hot and terrible it can be back there. And your statement, Javier, that health violations live or die by the cleanliness of the kitchen, that is accurate. No question. And listen, when I've been a server at a slow bar, I 1000% agree with you that I wish we could sidestep the bartender at times, especially when the bartender is just leaning against the rail and just chatting away. Yeah, that's very frustrating because the waitresses could get beer, wine and shots. But I would say, even though it gets bottlenecked by the bartender, just from a purely legal standpoint, there is uh, sometimes the bar gets bottlenecked because the management tells the bar to get bottlenecked, if that makes any sense. Look, management wants to make money. That's the bottom line. So does the restaurant. So do the servers, bartenders. Everybody wants to make money. But when you get a, for example, uh, a street party that comes in in Santa Monica in the middle of the summer and it's a bunch of no shade, but this is a real story, a bunch of tall volleyball players who are all in their late 20s trying to relive their college glory days or when they played professional volleyball and they were just out on the beach playing and they are rowdy and crazy and screaming and clearly have already been overserved then the goal is to bottleneck the bar a little bit and make the bar seem uh, just a hair busier than it might actually be because you also slowing service is a real technique, I guess, to get people to not be overserved. And particularly, I can only really speak to California because that's I've bartended in or well, I've yeah, I've bartended and served elsewhere outside of California, but I know the laws better in California because they're just more, uh, I guess, present for me. Although it's been a year, what up a year of being unemployed, <laughs> not working in customer service, what up a glorious year. Uh, and, but I can just say in California, there, there are so many ways that you can come for the bartender or the server or whomever gave over, over served you, gave you too much, whatever that is. Even if you went to the bathroom and you were chugging your own, you know, fifth of SoCo or whatever, or you had a, uh, what do they call it when you have a little thing? Why can't I think? Flask. There it is. Flask. Even if you're drinking out of a flask in the bathroom, the bar where you were drinking out of that flask you're still is still liable, even if you have one beer at that bar. If your BAC goes over the legal limit and something happens to you and you want to sue, that's the last place. I mean, you can sue that bar. And so, you know, bottlenecking and slowing service is sometimes a real thing that is done. And as a server, I will just say, especially with the laundry list of other things we have to be doing, if you then added that I need to start pouring beers from the tap every time or drinking or not drinking, sorry, uh, pouring wine out of the bottle or whatever, I would be frustrated because I when I bartended at this bar in Santa Monica that Angelique managed, what up, Ange? There was a server there named Megan. Hi, Megan. And we would work the Friday day shift together. And it was a it was it would come into happy hour and Friday happy hours are always bonkers and particularly at this bar. And I had a load of regulars that would come in right around three o'clock because happy hour, I think, started at four. I don't really remember. It's been a long time since I worked there, but Anyway, they would come in and they would post and I would be slammed with them and Megan would be working the entire back of the restaurant by herself and there would be times where her server tickets would just sit there because I was drowning in just people who were happy hour drinking. And so she would have to come behind the bar and pour her own beers and she was a bartender too. Like she knew what she was doing, but it was frustrating for me because I knew she was going to have to tip me out and I didn't want to take her money because she, I would be making more money because my bar would be full 
and she would be pouring her own drinks. And but what would also be difficult would be when she would misread my flow and it would be like her server tickets were immediately next. I just needed her not behind the bar. And this didn't happen often. Megan is great. I'm not coming for her and she helped me a ton. But it would be difficult because I would have a flow of like, all right, I'm going to get these 10 people, beer, 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 here we go. And then I'm going to hit the taps for all of her server tickets. And so it just can be, it's just a function of how people work. These are valid questions. Javier, I'm not coming for you. I think there are times when as a server, I have wanted to sidestep the bartender when there's that ego dance of, like I said, of them sitting on the rail and just picking their nose and just wanting to chat up someone or show them pictures on their phone. And I'm sitting on five tables that all need drinks. Yeah, that's really frustrating. And um, it seems like Javier probably (laughs) has had some bartender issues not going to judge it. I get it. Bartenders can be egoic having, having been one. I get it. But yeah, like the, the cooks and the weight stuff. I mean that there are, there are what are, not baseball teams. I don't know what I want to call it, but there are like divisions in all of the departments. Cause everybody thinks that their, their department has it worse. And you could argue in each individual case that there's a fair, there's a fair argument that yeah, everybody has their own hiccups and heartaches. But yeah, I think that's going to do it for listener questions. I hope that answers everybody sufficiently. And if you all have questions, please email us here at servicefromhellpodcast at gmail.com. And we would love to hear from you and we would love to see your receipts or hear your stories. And yeah, these don't have to just be questions. I would love to read your stories. And we are going to probably start throwing it. Well, I don't actually want to tell you what we're thinking of doing. We're going to change some programming stuff just to just to change it up. Keep it exciting. Why not? What's the point of anything? Nothing. Who cares? So thank you all so much for listening. And if you want to help us out here at Service from Hell, then you can find us on all the socials. Now, well, not all of them. You can find us on Instagram. That's it. But you can also find our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash the Kate Gaffney. That's patreon.com forward slash T-H-E-K-A-T-E-G-A-F-F-N-E-Y. And there we want to just thank the overwhelming support we've already gotten there. We are humbled and so excited and so grateful and hope that you guys are liking the bonus content that is there and my stupid videos where you see my stupid face just being dumb. And yeah, shout out to all of you. Thank you all so, 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 so much. We are so grateful. And remember, folks, even though we got a question about it, if you can't afford a tip, you can't afford to go out. So don't be garbage and be good to people. It's easier that way. Good night, everybody. Bye.